And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. I'm Ralph Peterson, and my special guest today is Lisa McQueen. I got to tell you that... I have got a lot of fan mail for you before you even got on. A lot of people are like, oh my God, she's so great. I can't wait to hear her. So you have a lot of hype coming into this show. Well, that's really nice to hear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Everybody's very excited to find out more about you. So I am too. I'm super excited. Well, that's what I'm here for. Ask me anything. Ask you. Ask away. Ask away. I like it. I like the whole open book mentality. I like it very much. So let's get into it. So you're in Australia. How is everything in Australia right now going for you? Well, as uh, a lot of your listeners would probably be aware, we are in a very tight lockdown right now. And so as much as, I mean, the sun is shining, it's blue skies out there, it's gorgeous. However, it's very (laughs) difficult to enjoy (laughs) right now. But we've been given a freedom day, which the whole... Because right now, I, I live in um, Victoria is also in lockdown and various other parts of the country. And so at where I live, we've been given a freedom day. Get this, guys. We have to wait yet another month <laughs> before we get any freedom. So, um, yeah, we're all getting a, a little bit stir crazy. I'm not sure what a freedom day is. A freedom day is when lockdown finishes. For one day? Yeah, well, for, you know, like for good. Oh. oh. Yeah, so we've been in lockdown for nearly three months. Yeah, so let's talk how the heck business works in this environment. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a really, actually, this is probably a really good place to start because when the lockdown started, you know, and maybe I should just give your listeners a little bit of background about my business. Yeah, I, so I, let's, I, go, let's go all the way back. So... You're from Victoria. Did you grow up in Victoria? No, I'm from New South Wales. No, no, no. I'm from New South Wales, Sydney, New South Wales. And um, I grew up here and this has been my home for my whole life. And about 26 years ago, my husband, uh, you know, decided to start Clean Corp. And that's a whole other story, how, (laughs) how that started. But we started the business 26 years ago. And then I came into the business about 13 odd years ago. When Hamish, he built it up to as far as he could take it. And he said to me, look, I need your sales and marketing skills so that we can get this, we can, you know, really grow it bigger. So I joined the business and many people have heard me say it. I joined the business kicking and screaming because I had a wonderful career in uh, working for... Yeah. What were you doing before you got into cleaning? Like what was growing up like? I was... um, Growing up, I grew up in, you know, really regular, wholesome family, you know, mum and dad and the three kids. In fact, my, my the home that I grew up in is two streets away from where I live now. <laughs> so I haven't moved very far and in a beautiful area, in a very, um, you know, a very nice part of Sydney. So I've had a great, you know, a great foundation. What did, your, what, a lot of, what, what did your parents do for work as you were growing up? My mother was a stay-at-home mom, so she was a homemaker. And dad, my father worked three jobs. So he was a barman, you know, he worked in a bar. And when he wasn't working in one bar, he was working in one of the other two bars that he worked for. So he was a really hard worker. He only had one day off a week, a Monday. And uh, so dad was the quiet achiever. He was a man of very few words, but he worked really hard for his family. It sounds like maybe that's how you guys all learn this whole very hardworking, put your head down, get things done kind of mentality, Mm. yeah? Mm, I think so. And I think just being driven to achieve and having, I, you know, my parents were just such wonderful cheerleaders and sadly both of my parents have passed now. But before that, I had an incredible cheer squad who were like, yes, you can, you know, I didn't go to university, I didn't go to college, so I really had to figure it out as I went. And in those days, 
honestly, here in Australia, you could do that. I mean, unless you wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor, you didn't need to go to college because you could work your way up. And that's really what my my career was like. I just worked hard and worked my way up. I like everything about that. There is a lot of that still. There's still a lot of industries where it doesn't require anything but a positive attitude and a good work ethic. Yeah, I know. And I think sometimes, um, sometimes it's just having those two things can be the X factor for an employee. And for, you know, someone who's interested is one thing, you know, if you're interested in your career, or you're interested in your job, but if you're really committed to it, then that's where, you know, the magic happens. So there's definitely that, you know, that differential. Are you interested in something or are you committed to it? Yeah, I agree. So what was your first job out of school then? So what, did you kind of <laughs> go through a bunch of jobs or what were you yeah, interested I did. in? <laughs> um, I, I was just interested in traveling. That was what I wanted to do. So everything, at, as soon as I finished school, I went to secretarial college and that was for like a year. But I wanted to travel. And so my very first job was working for um, the, the government, actually, for the National Parks and Wildlife Service here in Sydney. And the, the, I worked for the chief scientist. So, I, you know, back in the day, I was his private secretary. And, you know, that was, you know, to me, I was, I was thinking, wow, I'm working for this really important man. My entire workday was typing up his thesis his PhD thesis on kangaroo poo. That was my day. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know what kangaroo poo is. <laughs> Tell me that's, that's a computer that what, or a program or something. No, it's actually what it sounds like. <laughs> oh no! I know that was my day. That was my life. I'd be in this, you know, typing away on an old typewriter. This is even, I'm showing my age here, even before computers, typing on a typewriter, this thesis on kangaroo poo. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, needless to say, I did not stay in that job for very long. (laughs) I I finished it. I got the thesis finished for him. And by that stage, I'd saved enough money to go on on my first trip to Europe and and so that like ignited that passion in me for really traveling and moving around. And when I came back from that trip, I thought, gosh, I, I can go back into the government job because it was still open and available being the government. But I didn't, it wasn't my vibe. That was that, that I mean, kangaroo poo, clearly not, but also the, the government Bundy in, Bundy out type of work ethic was, it just wasn't my vibe. So I applied for three jobs and one of them was with a TV station here as a producer, as a, like a junior producer. One was with a bank as a bank teller. <laughs> it like blows my mind I even thought this way back then. And, um, and the third one was with a company very close to where I live, which was in travel. And so I went for all three jobs. I got all three jobs. So then I had to decide which one. I gave up on the bank. I thought, no, that's not going to be me. So the travel was the one that I chose. And that was a really fortuitous decision because from that, I then, that really launched my sales and marketing career in the, you know, in the travel industry. And I I went on to, you know, to work for Shangri-La and Hyatt and Sheraton and you know, I had some really beautiful jobs working in very, very uh, beautiful places. And, and it was around about that time that Hamish said, bring those skills into Clean Corp, please. And let's what we Was it one of those jobs where I have a friend, I remember when I was a kid, I had a family friend who worked as a travel agent. And part of their job was they got to actually go on the trips they were selling so that mm. they had some kind of inside knowledge. So was that part of? Yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so. In fact, the, the company that I worked for specialized in holidays in Europe. And at that time, they were called fly drive holidays. So you'd fly to Europe, you'd pick up a brand new car, and you'd travel around for three months or six months. Holy moly, a and, long time. That's a, that's a vacation. Yeah, a long time. A vacation. I mean, <laughs> that, that's how Australians like to vacation, and especially back then, especially back then. So it was a really burgeoning in part of the travel industry. 
And yes, we did. We got to go on these trips, which were just amazing. And at this age, like, just to put a context on this, I was 19. So at this point, I was 19 years old. I'd been working for the company, the travel company, for about five months. And my boss comes and, and says to me, you know, I'd like to have a word with you. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what, are, you know, what have I done? And he says to me, Lisa, we're opening an office in Paris and I'd like you to go there and run it. So I was the ripe old age of 19 with very little life experience. And three weeks later, I was um, off to Paris and I, I was there for, I stayed there for five months getting everything set up. And um, yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant experience, especially for someone like me who just loves, you know, loves all things French. I speak French. And so it was perfect. It sounds perfect. I had a woman who works in the cleaning industry. She's currently in France, in southern France, but she's from Florence, Italy. And she talks about growing up around, she, what she called, it was like an outdoor museum. And she's like, everywhere you look, everything has to be cared for and picked up after. And, you know, it's such a touristy town and the streets are always being cleaned and scrubbed. And, you know, she just kind of grew up around it. And I, every time I hear somebody talk about living in Paris or living in Italy or something, I just think like how magnificent from a cleaning no. point of view, God, you know, oh. from a cleaning point of view, it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I live in New York yeah, so City have- where uh, it's common to see more trash than it is cleaners, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I've often played with the idea of having clean court Paris. That's been on my mind a few times thinking, oh, I'm, I really wouldn't mind that. Maybe at some point in the future. I don't know. I don't it know. Got my hands full here. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It does. It has an amazing ring to it. And let me tell you, I'm sure one or two places in Paris that could definitely use our services. So <laughs> I think uh, I think we could find a very wide open market there. No question. There and everywhere. There and everywhere. You know. That, yes. Thank God for our industry it is one of those industries where you could literally move to paradise and there is a need for cleaners Mm -hmm. thank god yeah makes me wonder why i'm in new york why aren't i cleaning in hawaii i don't know new york's pretty fun though that's that's definitely another fun part of the world so a million percent a million percent i don't mean to just disrespect new york i'm just saying you know i have a friend who does clean who does have a hotel cleaning business in Hawaii, and it's quite interesting. He has the same problems that I do, which I imagine are the same problems that you do. (laughs) I'm sure. It's very universal. the, The challenges that we face are probably fairly universal. No question. So it seems like a super easy transition to make from traveling and selling traveling and learning the hospitality side and then learning the marketing and the advertising and sales side, easy shoe in to the cleaning industry. Well, you'd think so. You would think so. But I found that the marketing and advertising that I did in my in my travel career, really, I, you know, think about it, the visuals that you can use, you know, beautiful exotic locations, warm, sunny beaches, and then you've got okay, how do you visually represent cleaning in a way that's going to attract people to your business and not look like every other cleaning company in, you know, in the world? So that was the challenge. The challenge was, okay, we all clean. Everybody has a mop, a bucket, a vacuum, a duster. We've all got that. So what is going to make us look different? And that's where I really had to, um, I really dug deep on that. And I still do. I'm always looking for inspiration and ideas when I'm out and about and how a company does something that looks interesting to me. And how could that be translated into the travel, in, into the um, the cleaning industry? It's a really interesting paradigm because like, it's like the drill bit. Nobody wants the, you know, nobody wants to buy the drill bit. They just need the hole in the, you know, in the thing. So nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, oh my gosh, I can't wait to buy a cleaning contract. They just want their room or their office clean. So it was, you know, kind of looking at it from a different perspective, I think, and then coming up with ways to make to make it us look like we understood what our prospects wanted and our customers needed. 
a million percent. I like how you're thinking. I like the idea of having to figure out how to differentiate ourselves. I do a, I work in healthcare. And so I'm, and mostly I work in senior care or in nursing homes, end of life care. And Mm -hmm. I do this workshop and I've been doing it forever where I'm, I start out talking about trash on the floor and I'm using it as a metaphor, but it takes me a while to get there. So my story starts with trash on the floor. But what I'm really talking about is call lights. Do you know what a call light is? A call light is, it's a light outside of a, a resident's room or a patient's room that they turn on if they need help. And so the metaphor I'm making is trash on the floor to the call light and trying to get people to pay attention to these two things, making one point to highlight another. And recently, so the way, if you were to see my slide deck, you would see dirty floors. And then I show a picture of the call lights and I've been doing it forever. And it just dawned on me recently that I should not be showing them a picture of the call light because call lights don't represent really anything. What I should be showing them is a picture of the patient inside the room, right? Like it's to to your point, like kind of what you're saying, I was like, oh, if I think of the end insight instead of showing them the end instead of how I get there, you know, showing the smiling employees, smiling customers. That's right. It's it's about the solution. I mean, the customer knows that they, to some extent, they know what the problem is. They want to see what the, what your solution for that problem is and how you represent that to them and how you, you, what, what your process is and how that process is different and worth more than somebody who just showed up with the backpack vacuum on them and is ready to rock and roll. It's light and, you know, light and dark in so many ways. And that really is the key because sometimes as business owners, and I have totally been guilty of this. I'm just looking at it from my perspective, but I need, you know, the, the point of view actually needs to be turned around and it, and it needs to be viewed from the perspective of the, the person who's going to be experiencing that service and what that is going to make them feel. And, and you know, even in the cleaning industry, in any industry, if you were in the, you know, the insurance industry and, in, you know, any industry, this is the key, how your clients feel about what you do when you provide your services. So when, if we, I just want to step back for a quick minute when you were saying, and I think it's even part of your bio that when your husband asked you to come into the business, you absolutely didn't want to. What were your feelings? What were your thoughts about the cleaning business before you got into it? And how have they changed? That's such a great question. My feelings beforehand were at the time we had three very young daughters. And my thought was, at right now, I'm the primary breadwinner. I mean, I earn the big bucks. Hamish is working his, you know, backside off, building the business. But we live really more or less on what I'm bringing in. So my feeling, when I say kicking and screaming, and I, I really don't go into this very often, but you asked me the question so pointedly, my feeling was, to a very large extent, fear, fear. Because all of a sudden, instead of having, you know, my very, very dependable income, my salary, we were going to really put all of our eggs into the one basket, the clean court basket, and hope for the best. So that was part of it. And the other was, how am I going to sell something that nobody wants to buy? You know, because like I said, nobody really wakes up in the morning invigorated with the thought of buying, you know, cleaning services. So that there was those two things. But then after about three or four weeks, when I started to get into my group and I really started to think about it, I was consumed with how can I make this business what I think it can be? And Hamish, my husband Hamish would tell you, like night after night, week after week, month after month, I was reading books. I was like a sponge for information. I couldn't read enough. I couldn't. I needed to know what I didn't know. And so for, for, you know, probably a couple of years, I was like that until I felt like I'd found my feet and I knew, I knew where I was going. And then I felt, okay, I can do this. And the results were speaking for themselves. So we went from, you know, a $700,000 a year business when Hamish was running it and working really hard. And he did 
everything in the business. He cleaned, he did the account, you know, he did the sales and the marketing himself. So he went from that 700,000 turnover in the first 13 years it took us to I started and just a touch over two years later, we were turning over 3.2 million. Now we're an eight-figure business and we're all over Australia and New Zealand. So it's, you know, like having that, I think that absolute driving force of determination in making sure that our family was going to be okay and we were going to earn enough money and all that really, you know, put, you know, it really fired up my jets and it fired up his jets as well. And we worked so well together. So yeah, it was like dynamite. I like, and I want to, I want to just believe it was just grit and determination and you just found your happy spot and decided you're going to do it. But I'm sure there was more strategy involved. <laughs> so like, how? <laughs> so, so yes. what, you know, if you could go back to when you first started and you looked at, I imagine you kind of just looked at what he's doing and you looked at what was out there. What was your game plan? How did you expect to grow this? Yeah. So when Who are your customers, when I, first of all? Who are your customers? Okay. Our customers are commercial customers. So any businesses, that's where our groove is. So business cleaning. We do some private residences to some of our VIP customers. But very so I would never say that I am a I'm a specialist in housekeeping. In definitely not. The commercial janitorial side is that's where we're at. Do you do um, any healthcare so, at all? We do a lot. We do a lot of healthcare. We do a lot of aged care. We do a lot of Excellent. disability um, in that any, area as well. Do you do any restaurants? Any kitchen oh, cleaning? Yes, many restaurants, many kitchens. Um, the place. Essentially, essentially any place. service, yes. Any, okay. any business that feels right for us is pretty much in our wheelhouse. With the ex- There's a couple of exceptions. So one, for example, Australia, you know, a very mineral-rich country, we have a lot of mines. We don't clean mines, but we clean for mining companies. So, you know, they're swanky offices. Yes, we clean those. But mines themselves, no, we don't. We're very, you know, we've made that decision years ago. But, yeah, so that's our customer base. And, okay. and we do a lot of retail as well, a lot of retail. So... In terms of strategy, the, you're right. I mean, obviously, you know, my optimistic attitude was not going to get us where we needed to get, where we needed to go to. It did. It, I, I, when I joined Clean Call, I could see straight away that there were things that there wasn't really any system or process in place. Everything was an emergency in that that moment. Everything had to be done that moment, and that was a problem because at that moment there was Hamish, there was myself. And so I started to, I just started to see patterns and things that Hamish would need on a regular basis or, or things that I was beginning to need on a regular basis. And I figured out little systems. So, okay, if this happens, then this is what we do. If that happens, then that is what we do. And that lasted for a few months. But then I just thought, this is craziness. And so I started to work with a business coach. And at the time, and this was, you know, part of my search for, knowledge. She was based in Michigan, beautiful, her name is Debbie, and I worked with her every week. And, and she taught, one, on one of our sessions, she mentioned about automation. And I didn't even know what, I didn't even know what she was talking about. What is business automation? I had no idea. And so she said, oh, look, I could be, and the reason we talked about it was because her emails and messaging to me were just so on point and so on time all the time. I thought, how does this woman do it? I knew she was busy with a lot of clients. So I asked her and she told me about, she was using a called Infusionsoft. It's called Keep, but at the time it was Infusionsoft. So the very next day I started to look into it and I signed up and I believe we were the first Australian company to sign up to Infusionsoft. And that was back in 2008. And, you know, so from then on, I just started to, anything I saw that I could automate, I automated it through Infusionsoft. And that went for internal processes and also for external sales and marketing processes. So that was really the lever or the, you know, that was what allowed us to grow that fast because I didn't have to do everything manually anymore. I had this safety net of automation that I built that was helping me achieve the same thing 
in a realistic and, you know, humanistic, if you like, way. So that was one of the key things. And the second one was having a really good website. Yeah, I like both of those ideas. But did you start knocking on doors? Did you start cold calling? What was your marketing strategy to get more actual clients? Yeah, the, the at that time, so we did not have a website at that time. So the, my very first job was to like get something built, which we did, and then start driving traffic to it. And this was, I mean, look, this was way back. This was back in, so 2008, we got Infusionsoft, I think it was July or August. By December 2008, we were running ads to our website. So, and we were also doing the, you know, all the old fashioned sort of marketing. We were sending out leaflets. We were doing, you know, door knocks on, you know, clients who were in the same building. We were doing all that old fashioned stuff. But what was working was this online stuff. And we, and, you know, every day leads would just be coming in and I'd be sending out to quote. And that, as, as simple as, as simple as that sounds, that is exactly what happened. We had the benefit, though, because nobody else was really doing that in our space. So, again, it was a point of difference that even at that time, I don't think I was really that aware of that, how big that point of difference was. But it certainly kept, you know, the cash register ringing over. And we built, we really built the business because of it, because we had so many leads that, and Hamish is so good at what he does, that we were, we were making sales and growing every month. That is really, really interesting. And I really, and it just goes to show one of our biggest challenges in any business, and I'll speak for the cleaning business anyway, but it's obscurity. It's people not knowing. So the more we can do and the easier we can make it so that we are continually getting our name out there, our services out there in front of people, the more your opportunity people are going to be. I know I just interviewed a woman Absolutely. who has two billboards, one on each end of her town. So the first billboard you see coming in is her house cleaning company. And the last billboard you see leaving the town is her cleaning company. And it's a small town. She says she pays something like $1,700 for the year or something like something wow. really <laughs> ridiculously low. And it brings in a ton of revenue because she is able to do what nobody else in her town is able to do because I think there really is only a handful of, of billboard signs in her, you know, and, and that's why the internet is so amazing and so useful mm -hmm. to those of us, you know, in business, you can advertise, you can target, you can market, you can direct. It's way more effective than mm -hmm. the traditional. Measurable. Yeah. And so measurable, you know, that's the thing you can actually see in real terms, how many people looked at it? How many mm -hmm. people took action? How many sales did you get? So that you're not, there's, you minimize that wastage of money along the way. And I mean, I've waited, like, I've, I've wasted a ton. I don't want anyone to think that I have not wasted a ton of money in doing different things. But it's, you know, I guess from, for us, marketing in a magazine, it just doesn't work. Marketing in the newspaper for us, it just doesn't work. So, um, yeah, we've, we've learned that the hard way. Yeah, it's always amazing when you start thinking about your customer, put yourself in your customer's footprint. You know, like, when do they find out they need a new cleaner? They're usually at work, and which means they're sitting at a desk. They have mm -hmm. their phone. They have their computer. And, and even if they don't, they're directing somebody who also has a phone and a computer. And it's like, can you find someone? And what are they going to do? They're going to go to the computer and they're going to look up cleaning company, commercial cleaning company. Are you first? Right. Are you second? Are you answering your phone? That's a big one. Are you answering your phone? That is a huge one. That is a huge one. Can I just tell you that at the end of our workday, I mean, obviously in our business, we are very much seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And that has been put to the test on many more occasions recently than I would like to admit to. But after hours, after hours, every single phone call comes to me. And the reason for that is because, one, it keeps me grounded with my customer base. Two, I do answer the phone, <laughs> even in the middle of the night. Phone's right there, just in case. And three, it leaves us still on what our promise is, and that is that there will be someone at the other end of the phone 
who can get things done for you. So if I was to send the calls up to a call center, sure, the phone would get answered. But would I miss out on like, you know, I've booked $20,000 jobs in the last couple of weeks just because I answered my phone. So it's, you know, definitely worthwhile. It is amazing to me. I'm a cleaning business strategist, so I work with cleaning companies. So I call, I cold call cleaning companies all day, every day. And I am every time, and most people don't answer the phone. Most cleaning businesses, if you get them on the phone, they're going to complain about one thing. They don't have enough business. But getting them on the phone to answer the phone is a challenge. And every time I'm leaving a message, I always want to say, you potentially just lost money by not answering the phone. (laughs) Like, What are you doing? Yeah, it's it's catching the market where the need is. That, you know, you could like, and you'd know that if you make a phone call to someone who really needs that service. They're they're going to be thanking you for calling them. Am I right? A million percent. I have a friend who was. He has a great story where he started a cleaning company. He didn't have anything else to do. He was trying to figure out what to do, and a friend who was a lawyer let him clean his office. And so every day while he was cleaning his office, he would also go upstairs and introduce himself to whoever saying, hey, I'm cleaning this office downstairs if you guys ever need anything. And then lo and behold, some random Saturday morning, they call because they have an emergency. He was the only one who answered the phone. Now he cleans the entire building. I mean, (laughs) there you go. You don't have to hear that story too many times where you go, oh, that thing, it's more than just for TikTok. I should be answering it, right? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes it just makes all, all the difference. And I do imagine how frustrating it is for a prospect if they've got onto they've got the need, they've gone onto the internet, they've decided out of all of those probably tens of thousands of cleaners, they've decided to call your business and then they call and nothing. They're never. They're not going to give you a second chance. That's your first. You know, that's the first opportunity you have to impress them. And sadly, I, I know. Honestly, I do the same thing. If I'm looking for something in my life that I need, and that happens, I won't be calling them back. And yet, ultimately, if I'm looking for something and then I have a great experience, I really do try and let them know why I had a great experience so that they know that their marketing's on on point or, you know, I was attracted to work with your business because of these reasons. I think it's really important for people to know that because maybe they just stumbled on it by accident and, and you know, it, um, maybe they didn't. I love that you are, you're so far, you're so into business at this moment that you can see it in everything. And you see the good and the bad. And when you see the good, you see the working. You'd so bad want to go, hey, that was a brilliant idea. You totally grabbed my attention. I love that. I think that's so great. So great. (laughs) I'll give you an example. One that's just happened. I was looking for a new dentist. My dentist moved out of the area. So I was looking for a new dentist. And I saw this photo of of this dental team standing in front of a garage door. And I thought... Hmm, that made me stop. That made me stop. Why did that make me stop? And so I'm, I'm trying to figure out why was that interesting to me. And I, you know, I, I now go on to that dentist and spent quite a bit of money. And I said to, I said to him, the owner of the business, I said, why? Why did you pick the garage door? And he said to me, he said, because every other dental company, you know, they stand in front of their equipment or they, you know, they stand on a beach. He said, I wanted to show that we, you know, the type of business that we are. We work out of this home and that was just the, you know, the thought process. And I said, well, it worked because that made me stop. So, you know, and, and what makes one person stop and what makes another person stop, you know, obviously that's, you know, changeable. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, once again, I mean, it's how we started even just our conversation today was talking about how to differentiate yourself and how to stand out when there are so many dentists. There mm-hmm. are a ton of dentists. There's a oh, yeah. there's, there's a ton <laughs> of pizza places. There's a ton like, of restaurants. Everybody is competing for your attention. And those who are the most creative generally get the most attention. Mm, that's right. That's right. And also consistent, I think. If you put one ad on Google, if you just, if you said, okay, for this one week of the year, 
I'm going to put an ad up. Look, chances are reasonable that you will get a customer out of that. But if I'm you so do, guilty if, of what you're saying. I'm so yeah, guilty of this. <laughs> everyone is. Everyone is. If, it, if you look at it as part, it's just part of your strategy. Part of my strategy is I'm going to put $1 into this thing and I'm going to expect to get $3 out of it. How does that work? Or $5 out of it? Like that's the exchange. And that's how, you know, looking at the your marketing spend, if you do it once, you just, yeah, you might get a customer. How much did that cost to attain? Whereas if you're doing it on, a, on the regular, then you're going to be seeing like more regular results and then you can budget and forecast on a more regular basis. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those, it's a luxury of growth, I think, mm-hmm. uh, being able to do that too. It definitely is a luxury of growth. And there are other methods that you can use that are lower cost, but more time, you know, they'll take a bit more time, such as LinkedIn, for example. LinkedIn costs me nothing. Well, actually, I've got the premium account, so it does cost me a little bit. But (laughs) (laughs) But, but my point is, I don't advertise on LinkedIn, but I'm there. And I know that's how you and I came to get to know each other was because of of LinkedIn. I'm and, there as and, well. Yeah, I know you're you're very much there. You're very, you know, I see your post, I see your stuff very, um, you know, front and center. And you're making that platform one of you. Really, it, it's that's what you know. Anybody who's listening to this podcast today, whether or not you are in the residential cleaning space or if you are in the commercial cleaning space like I am, you should be looking at what's your platform. Where are your customers? Where are the customers that you want the most? Where are they and how can you get to them? Now, for me, LinkedIn makes really good sense and it does for you as well, Ralph, because you want to work with business owners. Where are the business owners? Where are they wanting to do business? LinkedIn. Um, I want to work with business owners and decision makers as well. Where are they? They're on LinkedIn. So every now and again, I will branch out and I'll do a little something on Facebook or maybe Instagram. But that costs me money. LinkedIn costs me nothing. And and it allows me to build a platform to industry. But also that voice, it resonates with other people out there. And that's the exact same strategy you're using right now, Ralph, your voice is going out there and that's your attraction strategy. So it's a powerful thing. And I, I think a lot of people underestimate what they can do and what they can do for free just using social media to do it. Agreed. Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Oh, gosh, yes. yes. Okay, great. So he has this strategy, which I follow to a T, and he talks about giving spending a dollar eighty on one platform. I do it on LinkedIn, as you know. So $1.80 every day, seven Mm -hmm. days a week, I spend $1.80 on LinkedIn. And this is what it means. It means I engage with 90 posts, 90 other people, 90 other people Mm -hmm. are posting, and I give my two cents. Meaning they post something, I'll share it. I will comment on it. I will be engaged, give my two cents to 90 a day that's how much money I spend on LinkedIn, other than the premium account. Wow. I spend 180 cents a day, two cents at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's, an, that, I mean, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you, the man is a legend yeah, no um, in every way, no question about it. And that's, isn't, that, isn't that an elegant idea? Isn't, it, it's a simple and elegant idea that absolutely anybody could do. And it also shows that, not only are you wanting to or hoping to take things from LinkedIn or from whichever social platform you're using, but you're also willing to give as well. And that giving can be an insightful comment. It can be sharing. It can be support. You know, it's one of those communities where you can get as much or more that, and you can give so much as well to people who are coming up through the ranks, people who are looking for someone they may not be able to afford to have a, you know, a business coach or a mentor, but they can have some form of mentorship by just following people who resonate with them. And I think that's, you know, the, in this day and age, aren't we lucky that we have that opportunity? It is. You know what? It, you know who benefits the most 
from me being intentionally positive. I am an intentionally positive person, especially outwardly. I'm intentionally, I never post things negative. I'm, I will admit that I'm way more on the side of management and ownership than I am an employee, but you know, everybody has to pick a side. That's my side. So, but I'm the one who benefits the most. Mm. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's fulfilling me to share people's posts, to engage with people, to cheer people on, to, you know, people are posting. I'm in love with floor care. So if you show me a shiny floor, you've got me hook, line and sinker. And so people would, will post this random, these floor techs who work all night long, and then they post pictures of before and after pictures of the floor they did. I'm all over that. I mean, I'm sharing it. I'm showing it to my mom. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I love it. It just makes me feel good. Yeah. And I know, and this is how I know, I know it makes them feel good because they keep posting. Mm, that's right. That's right. And the, and the thing is that, you know, the strategy behind that is who likes it? Are they in your first or your second or your third connections? Anyone, you know, when I'm sort of reviewing posts, I'm re- like my number one connections are, you know, they're solid and I support them, they support me. It's solid. But the twos and the threes, these are the people on LinkedIn who I am not yet connected with or maybe I tried to connect and they haven't connected back or whatever. But they're the people that I go through that list and I look at it and I think, wow, you know, that's really interesting to me. What you do is interesting to me. And I, I'll reach out to them or I will make sure that I'm looking for their posts so that I can get to know them a little bit better. And that's the way, you know, from a strategy perspective, you know, it's great to build up your connections, but you want to build up your connections on LinkedIn with people who are kind of going to either become a customer at some point, someone who will be interested in using your services or someone that you feel is a thought leader like yourself, Ralph, someone who is has you know a really good grasp of what they're doing and that you can learn from. Yeah, so 100%. it's um, there's just there's so much value there, and you know every now and again I'll come across you know obviously there's you know the haters are going to hate, but who cares? You know I just think well, look, it's like whatever whatever you think is is really maybe what you think in that moment, but not necessarily what I believe. So, yeah, it's an interest, very, very interesting um, environment to work in. I know a lot of people who think that you can post too much on social media, and I'm not one of those people. I think you can post. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many people on at different times. Sure, are there are people who are living on it all day and going to see every one of my posts and maybe annoying, be annoyed by me? Maybe, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I mean, there's millions and millions of people, and I'm just yeah. trying to get a hold yeah. of a few of them, you know, just a couple. Yeah, exactly. And I think that speaks to the fact that when you are posting, you're posting something uh, of quality and that some thoughts gone in, into it, maybe three research has been to it or maybe it's just it's like a PSA you feel mm-hmm. like you need, you need to get this information out yeah rather than because if you I guess if you're not adding value you're just taking up space and if your connections are people that you're hoping to turn into customers at some point being able to add value to their lives wherever that may you know wherever that may fall it means that they look at you as the go-to guy and they go hey, Ralph I know that what I need to know he already knows it or Lisa, I know that she's been on this path before. She's done this. I'm going to reach out to her. And I get so many messages from people just saying, hey, I'm at this point in my business. I can either take the road to the left or the road to the right. What would you do? And I don't know. I, I, those sort of posts, uh, uh, sorry, those sort of um, DMs that I get, I will very often, you know, give quite an in-depth. At the time when I was back where they are, there weren't as many people around to help. You know, they, they were, the, tra- the travel industry in Australia was like, oh, we can't talk to you because you perhaps are a competitor. Um, I have busted that model here. I, <laughs> I'm sending the messages. <laughs> one of my, one, that's so funny you said that. One of my first writing jobs was writing for a radio station called Sison Broadcasting. And on the air, I did something I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do. 
I mentioned another radio station. <gasps> like, I mean, they were legitimately upset. Like, don't ever name the competition. I was like, how do you think we're competing with the sports channel when we're a music channel? I don't, I don't know, but okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can't mention, nobody knows radio exists except through like, <laughs> yeah, silly. Yeah. It is silly. And I think, look, in the 21st century, have we moved past that yet? I hope so. Because the other thing that I think that uh, is really important in this industry is to have great, you know, a great team, having a great team around you. And so I want my competitors' staff to see me. I want them to experience what we're like out in the world. And that, and for them, out in the world means out on social media. Because, you know, when I want to make a strategic recruitment move, they're the ones that are circling. They're the ones that I, I only want the A-team. I only want the A-team. So I'm looking at them. I'm watching them just as much as they're watching me So and us. So a lot of people in the cleaning industry, a lot, whether it be residential or commercial, say to me, oh, we can't get any good staff. Well, guess what? Maybe you don't look enticing enough. Maybe you don't look cool and fun to work for. And anyone, I would challenge anyone on this podcast, go and look at the Clean Corp LinkedIn page. Just do a little scroll um, or mine and you'll see that we're very, very intentional about sharing stuff that goes on and, um, and the fun stuff, what we do, how we do it. So much so uh, that we are currently being parodied by our biggest competitor. And like it, it. it kills us. It kills us. We. You know, because what we're doing is, and again, this is all differentiation. That's the key to it. Differentiate your marketing, but also differentiate your culture so that the people who are experienced in the industry will be attracted to want to work for you. So, um, yeah, it's honestly, there's just so many great, um, great things that you can do by just being you. You know what's fun about what you just said is it is so smart and so many people won't do it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to specifically say what you do, but people will just shy away from it. And that is you recruit people who work for other people currently. And it's the smartest move to do. If you need a manager, if you need a cleaning manager, housekeeping manager, it's better. It's easier and better to call your competitors and say, hey, can I have the housekeeping department? And then here's the big question. Are you happy? How are they treating you over there? Because I had this great opportunity over here. I've heard a lot about you and I would love to just sit down and talk with you for coffee if you have time. I have recruited so many managers that way. I used to do it the other way where Mm -hmm. I would try to make you into a manager. Holy heck, is that a challenge? (laughs) Way easier. It's way easier and I think at a certain point in your, um, people just start noticing that you, you know, they hear about your company and they go, I've heard good things, you know, oh, what do you know? <laughs> I've heard great things about them. And that's what you want because if people are seeing that there's, you know, there's a constant change of, you know, the management team, the leadership team, naturally you're going to shy away from that. Now, I will say that right now I have, I haven't, Yes, I have had my eye on people. I will 100% admit that, but they have been the ones that have come to me first. So, But I don't know how much longer that's going to last because there's a couple of people out there that I've got my eye on right now. But bringing the A team, like one A-grade player is worth 10 C-grade players. So be, you know, being super, super intentional about that. And also here in Australia, we have... You know, and I'm sure in the US, pretty tough rules around, you know, employment. So within six months, that's our probation period. And within that period, you know, we're going to be looking for you, you know, for your A game. And and if we don't get that, then we may have to part ways at that point. But fortunately, I have you the have best a, team in the business. I have the best team in the business. And down. Six month probationary period. Mm. Here in the US, it's typically three months. Right. Okay. So typically yeah. three months here and six months there. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people who can make it past that three months who shouldn't. So maybe we should get to mm. the, go to the six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think that, 
you know, some people just, they interview really well, but the reality is when you put them into the position, they just can't perform at that A-grade level. And it's not fair to keep, like if you've got a team of A players and you can play in B or a C player, it's not fair to all the A players to have to carry that one. So, you know, and I'm not telling you anything that my own team don't know. And because of that, we are very protective about our environment and about who we let in. And we've just hired, we've just done a very major hire. He started with us a month ago and is doing great, like just great. And he said to me uh, after the, the whole recruitment process was completed, he said, that was seriously the most arduous process I've ever been through. <laughs> and I said to him, <laughs> he said it with love. But he, it, but he was speaking the truth, because, and that, and the reason for that is because the, you know, making sure that we have someone who is a cultural fit is the first thing that we're looking for. That's the most important because I can teach, I can teach anything you need to know. I can teach it to you, but if you don't have the right attitude, you can't teach that. So, yeah, it's a really, really interesting paradigm and and it fascinates me. And the group that we've got, the team that we have, are just incredible, incredible. So great. So what's next for you guys? We only have a few minutes left. I'm just curious, what's how's this, how's this world domination going? Are we moving into it's the Philippines? Great. Are we taking over? Are you heading it's north? Great, yeah. Um, we're, look, we're... We do have some big plans and we still have a few moves up our sleeve. I, we are all over Australia and New Zealand now and that's, we've, been, we've been that way for a number of years. So right now we're moving into, you know, the regional areas more so. And we're, we're thinking, you know, we're thinking longer term and we're thinking about, we, we get approached very regularly to, you know, for franchises. And right now company that's been our that that's been our strength and our strategy the whole way through but we may look at that in the future so yeah it's an interesting time it's a really interesting time to be in the cleaning industry yeah a million percent if there's never been a time when the spotlight has been so bright the need has always been there. I've been talking about contact time and chemical use for years nobody's cared but now you know <laughs> people are like hey now it's how, a big thing yeah. yeah, now it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. The COVID cleaning, that's not going away anytime soon. So we've really dialed that in into our strategy moving forward because it's, you know, it's the service that people pay for in advance. They pay a lot more for it. It's highly skilled and, you know, it keeps things rolling. So it's something that I think from, you know, from the perspective of, you know, whether it be on a housekeeping side, commercial side, the COVID cleaning is going to be something that will continue to be having a very high demand. So being, you know, being seen as an expert in that space, whether you're in a small town or a large city is going to be a very important part of, you know, well, it should be a part of a very important part of your strategy moving forward. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk really at all about COVID cleaning at all, but I will say that I think one of the biggest challenges that a lot of companies are facing nowadays is, Prior to COVID, one of the biggest challenges that I faced in cleaning was getting credit. That is, mm-hmm. how do you let your customer know you were there? Oftentimes mm-hmm. when we're cleaning office buildings or schools, or so, it's always after hours. And so sure, they can see if the trash was empty. But, you know, I mean, if quite frankly, if you're at the bank and they see a cobweb, <laughs> they're going to think that you haven't been doing anything, even though, you know, Spiders are really good at building cobwebs. You could tear it down tonight and tomorrow morning, they'll have a whole entire one up again tomorrow. So unless you're in the spider killing finding business, right? But so you're always trying to find a way to prove that you were there and you did what you're supposed to be doing to your customer. Now, Mm -hmm. what our customers are being wrestled with or being challenged with is how do they prove to their customers that they have a cleaning company that is sanitizing, is disinfecting, right? So it's that next level. Now we have to think, how do we help our customers give social proofing to their customers? Oh, absolutely. And And I mean, that's before this lockdown. So in the earlier months of this year, that we saw a lot of our customers wanting to move their cleaning services or even part of their cleaning services to daytime services. Just to be seen. So historically, historically, so it was 
really optics, the optics scene, and that, and so they'd they'd split the requirements. So they'd still have the evening stuff, the you know the mopping and vacuuming and what have you, but they wanted the daytime stuff to be done when their customers and their employees could see it. And um, so I, I think that that will also continue because right now, you know, the, to have your customers and your staff feeling safe and secure is really of paramount importance to business. And it's going to be something that will continue to be there while we are all going through this pandemic. So, uh, yeah, I think prepping for that, making sure that you've got staff on hand who who can segue into a daytime uh, from the evening into a daytime is important. And then... Those staff, again, they, your staff are your best PR tool. So having staff on site, we've got, I'm thinking of one client in particular right now who is a huge, huge, huge company here in Australia. And we, you know, in the past we had, you know, big team doing their offices every night. Now we've split the team, but we've split the team in, in such a way that our most personable and likable, and, and I say that, I know it sounds terrible. They're all personable <laughs> and likable, but the, the people that we felt the customer would be able to interact with the best, they were the ones that we pushed into, okay, you can, you can do the daytime cleaning. And it's worked beautifully. It anchors the customer so tightly with the company because they love the employees. Mm-hmm. Whereas we never had that opportunity to do that before because everything was after hours. So it's really <coughs> enabling us as a business and also as an industry to really humanize that interaction between customers, cleaners and company in a way that has never really, I don't think, ever been done before. Yeah, so, so I, really I, com- I completely agree. I think it's, you know, not everybody's an extrovert, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody's a- wants to communicate. A lot of cleaners that I know don't want to be bothered with anybody. They don't, it's the reason they clean at night. They don't want to deal with anybody, you know? (laughs) So finding the strengths is really, really smart. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and engaging with me and having this little, little strategy session with me. I enjoy talking (laughs) shop so much. It just makes my heart sing. So I just love the idea how business sense you are, how smart and creative you are, how, Hard work and you seem to be. It's really, really great. Oh, thank you, Ralph. And thanks so much for having me on. I've I've had fun. This hour's flown flown by. Flown by. How do people get a hold of you? How do people find you? Well, you can find me uh, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. You can see my name there, Lisa. So go like go and check out the Clean Corp LinkedIn page and you'll see some of the strategy that we use. But, you know, send me a message, connect with me on LinkedIn, or email me, lisa at cleancorp.com. Cleancorp.com is the website. And I'll have all of the links to your social media as well as your website in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out, I will make it as easy as possible for them to do so. Otherwise, that's it for us here at the Askers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching and engaging with us. And if you enjoyed today's show, please make sure that you engage with Lisa Please make sure that you're liking the show, sharing the show, subscribing to the show, writing reviews. You know everything about the show. Just the more you are able to help us tell everyone about the show, the more we're able to do the show. And that's what we really want to do is more show. Right? Right, Lisa? That's what we want to do. (laughs) We just want to keep the spotlight on the cleaning business and the cleaning business owners and the cleaning business operators because... As you're hearing week in, week out on the House Years podcast, they are some of the best, hardest working, most creative, dedicated professionals you'll ever meet. For Lisa McQueen from Clean Corp, I'm Ralph Peterson. This is the House Years podcast, and we will see you later. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guests, all of their contact information and the links to their websites 
are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.